0: Yes, 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 y'all. We back at it again. Let me tell you something, man. Okay, I can't believe I'm. If you're listening to this episode as soon as it comes out, I I really want to say that that make the best of every moment you can. A couple of weeks ago, I was away on vacation, got a chance to recharge for a couple of days. You know, I always preach. I always say late nights, early mornings. I say that, I always say that, but it's it's important for you to get a chance to recharge your batteries. Okay. Because it's important to, to, to stay well, let me tell you something. It may be corny to some people, but fucking health is wealth. But more importantly, spending time with the ones you love and getting a chance to realign yourself. I know so many people that hustle and work so hard. If you're from New York or you're from anywhere, you got just to hustle just to be poor. you got to have four jobs just to, just to pay your light bill. But the hustle never stops And I always say Use your j- use your day job To fuel your dream job Okay And if you're struggling right now Don't worry about it But let me tell you something If you have a passion project Or something you love Okay Don't give up on your job yet Let that day job fuel it But when you get home Or every chance you get Put the work in To that side project Whether that be a brand A website A clothing line Whatever the fuck it is Okay But I want to say, man, you know, uh, like I was saying, a couple of weeks ago, I got a chance to recharge, go away to the Dominican Republic with my family. My son, you know, it meant so much to me that my son was getting uh, stamps on his passport, that my son was on an international beach, you know. And now I'm about to go away with my daughter. My daughter's going to college. And I told her, let's go away for a couple of days and recharge before you start college. So so we can have some daddy daughter moments. Let me tell you something. If you are a parent then I want to tell you this the the greatest times are the moments you make and there'll be memories that will last forever and if you're not a parent and you want and you're going to be one never forget how important those moments are so you know I'm excited man I'm really thankful and blessed man for the little things in life you know just walking the beach and clearing my mind and I'm I'm just really looking forward to come back and 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 really getting uncomfortable you know and what I mean by that is, is is pushing myself to be a better version of me. You know, and, and you're not alone when it comes to that. You know, we, we can't just get comfortable being who we are. You know, like you, if we're in a good spot and it's working, that's cool. But you can't stay comfortable forever. You got to get uncomfortable to really fulfill your dreams, to really mark off some of your bucket list. You got to get uncomfortable. So these rechargers are going to align me to do that. And I hope that anybody going through something or, 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 or having a tough day or, to, to understands that same thing for them. Internet, you know, the Premium P Show, when, when I tell you to open up your Twitter app, open up your Instagram app, at Premium P at Premium P Show, worldwide, wherever you're from, whatever you're listening to, check the fuck in. At me, and, and, and let me know what you like. I always say shouts to people worldwide. I'm not going to even go to the cities, the states, or whatever. I'm going to say, listen... Shouts to everybody worldwide and continue putting your friends on, continue putting people on to the Premium Pete Show. I tell you before, I tell you again, the catalog is deep. Entrepreneurs, actors, athletes, so many different people from all walks of life. If you, if you got love for me, send an episode to somebody and be like, yo, I think this episode will help you in what you're doing. 'Cause I know that if if they're a producer to be, you can hit him with the Pete Rock, the Buck Wild, uh, you know, the this static selector, the, the Ilmine, the Derek D Dodge Angeletti, the Heatmakers, is, awesome, is So many. Entrepreneur with the Gary Vaynerchuk, okay? The 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 Venmo, you know, Ikra, my boy. Man, there's so many, you know, Michael Astoria, Eugene Rem. Come on, come on, man. Internet's tell a friend to tell a friend about the premium Pete show. Now, this week's episode, I'm so excited, man. Sit down with, with such a distinctive voice, the one and only, the legendary Fat Man Scoop. You know, it, it just is, his voice has always been so powerful, you know? And, and I've really always uh, admired his, his hustle and how he remixed songs and how he got the crowd going and, and how he was always so hype. But we go over his journey, and we speak about everything from family to his mother to his father to how terrible divorce has been to overcoming that, but more importantly, 20-year career that he created his own lane. The one and only, the legendary Fat Man Scoop on this week's episode of the Premium Peace Show. I ain't going to waste no more time. Let's get to it. Yo, what's up, y'all? This
1: is Fat Man Scoop, the Undisputed Voice of the Club, the two-time Grammy Award winner. Let me make this official for you. Fat Man Scoop, Quark McClan, Internets. It's time to go with my dude, Premium Pete. Let's get focused. Let's go, Internets. Let's turn up one time, Premium Pete.
0: Come on, everybody get set, let's go It's the next episode It's the Premium Pete Show News, interviews, all of the info Listen up, it's the Premium Pete Show If you want to scoop in the low, down low Listen to the show, cause Milk said so Fuck what you heard, better act like you know it's the Premium Pete Show. Intense, welcome back to another episode of the Premium Pete Show. Sitting down here with the legendary, okay? You say legendary? I mean, yeah, why not? Uh, Voice alone. Voice alone.
1: I'll take that. I mean, I, I, for a while I didn't call myself legendary. People had to kind of beat that in my head, so I guess I am mm. legendary, mm. right? Yeah,
0: absolutely. Okay, cool. I want to say this. Hip-hop, life is a puzzle. Right. You're a piece of that puzzle. I am, in my mind, mm. definitely. Mm. Fat Man Scoop's in the motherfucking building. Fat Man Scoop, quickly clean. <laughs> Listen, let me tell you something, man. Uh, we were talking off air, and what we were talking about was the one and only, the late, great, Reggie Osei, a.k.a. Combat Jack, yep. who you didn't even know was
1: Combat Jack. Everybody was talking about Combat Jack. Something in it's like, Combat Jack is some dude that shows up in, like, you know... Fatigues, and he's going (laughs) hard, and all that stuff like that. And and um, my best friend Kim, Kim White, was like, um, oh yeah, yeah, Combat Jack, Combat Jack, Combat Jack. And I said, um, all right, well, you know, let me let me find out about this Combat Jack. Let me go see what I'm missing with Combat Jack because it was like on fire at the time. And I don't know if I saw a video or whether I heard the voice. It's like fuck out of here. This sounds like Reggie O'Shea. And he said, oh, Reggie O'Seigh's Combat Jack. Listen, man, Reggie O'Seigh is Reggie O'Say to me, man. <laughs> you know, of O'Seigh and Woods, Ed Woods and Reggie O'Seigh. Your first lawyers. Yes, my first lawyers that they, they, they really, like, really, you know, when I first started working at Hot 97... They were like my first lawyers. I was I was um, introduced to them by Gabrielle, who used to be an A&R at Tommy Boy Records when I when I was running the rap promotion department at Tommy Boy. And um, she put me on the Reggie and Ed. And she was like, they're good, they're young, they're smart, they have energy, and they're going to do the right thing. And I went to them. I did many a deal with Edwards and, and Reggie, man. And they always did good work for me. I mean, and even when... Even when you know they moved on the other stuff, you know I always stayed in contact. I it 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 broke my heart when 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 Reg said that he had cancer because to me Reggie wasn't really about it or combat jack or whatever you want to call him. He wasn't about really talking about it. Like it was already like in a bad place by the time he even did an Instagram post about it. So I was like, you know. I didn't get to really say what I wanted to say to Ed, I mean, to Reg at all. Um, Ed, too, I spoke to Ed, like, you know, I would speak to Ed from time to time. We were gonna do like a deal with some reality television stuff because he was doing well with that. Sure, sure. But um, I never really got to say what I wanted to say to, to Reg. If I could have, you know, if I could have said what I wanted to say, first of all, I'd thank thanked him for being my lawyer, you know and doing things in my best interest and 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 it working and then I would thank him for what he did as Combat Jack because the reality is that he w- had a hand in journaling hip hop basically mm-hmm. you know and, and and for me that that that's a big thing and you know for you to be able to switch gears in your career and then have some success with it is like it's like really big. I personally thought, you know, because then, then I went back and looked at all of it. No, I think I caught it right before the before it came here when it when y'all was shooting video. Sure, sure, yeah. I, and I the complex, right, it, it, right. And I think that after complex, I think you guys were on a road to eventually hit an HBO. Mm or a vice or, or something like the, the, the big deal was coming. And what that taught me was a couple of different things that number one, life is not given. It's not like this is definite. So I pray for 40 more years of life every single day, but I know what it could be. You know what I'm saying? I just keep my trust in God. But one thing I did learn from, Reggie and Combat Jack, and you guys, or whatever you want to call it, is time is the ultimate equalizer. Mm. Time and consistency are the ultimate equalizer. So I watched the ascent. And it was slow, and y'all were doing it for a while, but then it started to hit critical mass, and then I just, not not even critical mass, it was like ascending. And I, I would call critical mass when you get like a major show on a major network, but I definitely think that you guys were definitely headed towards that.
0: Mm. Listen, rest in peace to the to late, great uh, Ed Woods and our brother Reggie Osei. Man, I'll tell you, man, that shit fucking uh, jerks me up every time we talk about it, but I know that he's, Proud looking down on, on on that we continue to keep the name going and keep the love going probably for probably
1: doing legal papers for Jesus. Oh yeah.
0: <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure while he's drinking a little bit of Hennessy.
1: Exactly. But like, Jesus take this I gotta take this language out of here, but I'm gonna have a Hennessy first.
0: <laughs> listen, young Fat Man Scoop, right? Yes. How many is was Fat Man Scoop the first name? No, my I think my first
1: name was like my first name was like MC Reverend Ike or some something, something, mm. something like that. Then it was like the Fat Man Scoop Rock. Mm. Then as it then when I got to like Tommy Boy, I cut it off and made it the Fat Man Scoop. So it was the Fat Man Scoop when I was at Tommy Boy, and then I just cut the D off and it became Fat Man Scoop, and that's what I'm stuck with. So it was it was like it was like a fucking forty syllable name, and then it, we got it down to like two or three.
0: Mm. So you're young, you're young, you're growing up where in Brooklyn? No, I, I grew up in Harlem, man. Harlem, okay. Everybody
1: thinks that because it's because Cooking clan, clan, yeah, yeah. It's Fat Man Scoop, Crooklyn Clan. I, I, I'm I'm from Harlem. I'm from Harlem, New York. Okay, and um. The Crooklyn Clan is from, from Canarsie. Mm-hmm. So that's where the Crooklyn Clan part of it came from. DJ Riz and DJ Scissorhands are from Canarsie. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I was Fat Man Scoop and they were Crooklyn Clan. But I'm, I'm, I'm definitely a Harlem dude, man to the end man so they put me in the ground i'm i'm gonna be yelling harlem every day
0: you know you grew up with mom and dad
1: yes definitely man my story is not i'm not gonna sit here and run around and say i was raised in the mean streets of you know harlem listen i'm i'm not i'm not a street dude but i'm of the streets sure so i was the one person in my whole team of friends who had their mother and father. Everybody else was single parents. I was lucky enough to live with my mother and father, and I lived right at the edge of Harlem on 110th Street, right, on Fifth Avenue. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, that was, like, real Harlem, and then now you're going into, like, you're going into, like, the part where white people live, mm-hmm. you know, where you're not going to act really, really stupid. So, I mean, growing up, it was it was still wild out there. Like... When I was growing up it was like extremely wild. Now it's nothing, man. Now it's gentrified, it ain't nothing. True.
0: That's selling almond milk on the corner. Huh? That's selling almond milk.
1: Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> and and yoga pants. Like you you're not wilding out, but um you know I I I, I so being that I was from 5th Avenue, I have friends on the East Side, 1199 and and all that stuff, and then I had all my friends on the west side from Saint Nick Projects and all that. So I used to hang up town in Harlem, in the Real Harlem, and in Spanish Harlem, and everything. But I, I came from a I came from a good life, man. My, you know, I wasn't broke, but I never worried about having mm. nothing.
0: What did Mom and uh, Dad do?
1: My mother was a uh, was a um, was a principal mm. of a of a um, of a. Um, uh a uh, uh, child care center. Okay. And um she was there, she was there for about 45 50 years. God damn. She's very very respected. You know, this was on this was in like on Quintana Avenue in the Bronx. Um you know, the projects, real dudes, killers, you know, eventually, dudes who eventually grew up to be bloods, and you know, drug, all that. Like sure. you know, so she was, she was like the principal of the school that they went to when they, when they, um, when they were growing up. So kindergarten, to, you know, early education to like almost first grade. Sure, sure. So, um, she was there. Listen, I don't know anybody that had more respect. Than my mother, one time, one time I was up at her, um, at the school and you know a lot of blood dudes was outside. Like, you know, like real, real niggas, it was like sure. some real, you know, real shit. And I ain't, I ain't nothing. Like I'm, I'm from the streets. It's all good. Like, I, I do I'm not shaking on that, but I walk up and I'm like, what's good? What's good of y'all? What's popping? And they go, Oh yeah, what's good? What's good? I said, yo man, you know, they, they, that's my mom's in there. I said, you know, hold her down, hold, hold, hold her down. He said, listen, let me explain something. She holding you down right now. <laughs> she, she the reason you getting held down. Like she said, we holding her down. Don't worry about, don't worry about her. She making sure you hold, you held down. I was like, okay, wow. And then one time, um, I, I remember my mother. She used to get on the bus to go home in front of the projects. Mm-hmm. So they they these two, you know, because again she raised all those kids and you know they went went on, you know they, that's their early development they went out and she know them everything, and they were beefing with each other like it was you know the two gangs were two drug dealers was beefing with each other, and. They waited for her to get on the on, on the bus and drive away and then they had a shootout.
2: Mm. I said ah. Wait
1: up, hold on man. That's respect. I don't know I don't know nobody that got respect like that. So she did that. My father used to work at a dry cleaners. Oh nice. He was a our, our foreman at the dry cleaners. And he, he was amazing with picking up like three hundred three hundred damn. Uh, pieces of dry cleaning with these with these two fingers, man. Like, but, but that's that's what the, basically hard working people, man. People who really worked hard and put it down every single day.
0: You know, I always speak about parenting uh, in every one of my episodes because it means that much. How 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 important was that for you to have both parents? Like, meaning, like, did that help you? You know, do you feel like that helped you more? Than-
1: um, I don't think it helped me. My mom was really the the main one. Mm. My mother was the real force in raising my brother and myself. She was like the preeminent force in really making sure that we were, like, good. Um, everything that I... You know, it, I got two different things from my my parents. So everything that I am as a person came from my mother. Everything that I have in my whether you want to call it comedy cuz I'm kind of known for that being funny and stuff like that everything that I've ever had on that side has been my father mm. so his whole style the way that he moved that was all like my dad stuff but I I you know just the fact that two parents were in the house and you saw your parents come home every night of course that's strong man you whether your father is really heavy in your life or not you still need that in your life so I would say I would say it, it it was a it was it was important man.
0: A young fat man scoop, man in Harlem, okay? Both parents, what the fuck did you want to be?
1: I knew from the minute I knew, I had a my cousin Alan Jackson. Mm. His name was at the time his name was DJ AJ. Mm. And I remember him this is like I was man, I might have been like 4 or 5, man. Like at the early point of like hip hop Busting out in the in the in the um, late seventies, right? And and um, I remember them DJing, and I remember like hearing the break beats and stuff like that. And I remember there was a dude. I was I was a kid. I was going to like Boy's Harbor, man, and 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 parochial school, you know, mm. Catholic school. Sure. And there was a kid. There was a guy in my neighborhood. Um, not only my my, my, my cousin, DJ, a, Alan Jackson, DJ AJ, but there was a rapper in my neighborhood in Carver Projects named Elmo. And this is at the early part of Park Jams. So I could never go outside by myself. as a kid. I was like seven, man. Like, I couldn't go out and do that. Sure. I used to ask my mother to take me to the Park Jams. And when I saw those guys behind the ropes rapping, I said, this is what I want to be. I always knew what I wanted to be. Right from there, man. I always knew what I wanted to be.
0: Mm, mm. Easy, right away. And what was that?
1: I wanted to be a rapper.
0: Mm. And is there any influence besides, uh, you know, like any artists that you know we're doing it to?
1: Definitely, um, you know, Dougie Fresh, because Dougie Fresh was from Harlem. Mm-hmm. Um, there was many people, like you know, just um, you, the people that I think of, like you know, these are dudes who are a little older than me, but. They were pivotal in, you know, early, early hip-hop. A dude named Kev Ski Mm -hmm. and Dr. Love. um, This is back in the days, like, now I'm, like, 10, 11 now. And now they doing, like, they doing, like, um, 201 and something called Mike and Dave in Harlem, which Mike and Dave were, like, the original, they were the original rap circuit. So you know, if you are a rapper, you came out with a hot record like K Solo or sure. you know, whoever your mom's you in to, my business. Yeah, yeah, you exactly. You went to you went to Red Man in the early days. You went to perform at Micah Dave. So um, you know, people like that, you know, um, but really my influences my influence was Dougie Fresh mm. because I was taught under his system. So if you go back a little bit now I'm getting older. I'm like 12, 13. And it's me, myself, um, it's myself, a guy named Sean C. Mm-hmm. Um, who wound up being the A&R um, Loud Records and doing all the Mob albums and some of the Woo albums and stuff. And um, a guy named DJ Steve D. Who actually was in the New Music Seminar uh, DJ champion. We had a group. And and also one of my dudes, uh, DJ, uh, G.E., He wound up going to college, and then when he went to college, we just kept the group going. And you know, the three of us, me, Steve D, and Sean C, were were in the Dougie Fresh apprenticeship program, basically.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And and because I had a group, I was copying. We were copying them. It was an MC and two DJs. We they were good. So Steve D and Sean C were really good. So they caught the eye of DJ Chillwell and Barry B and that's how we kind of got in. And then, um, from there, man, I learned everything that I needed to learn. And then, and then from there we added, we had a guy named Johnny Cash. Uh, we had a DJ named DMD and then we had a young kid that we took under our wing and, and, and kind of, taught the way and his name was rock raider Mm. and these guys formed the god bless raider um these guys formed the core of what is now known today as the x-men or the executioners Mm -hmm. legendary yeah so so i I, actually i was the only rapper in that in in the x-men in the original x-men i was the only rapper then um uh, M- MF Grimm came in, and he was in because he was he was working with Raider. But I'm I'm like the the first rapper in that like original core group. You know, I basically I like I like these were all my good friends. Sure, sure. And I was just the rapper, and you know, like people don't know that, but that's that's when it comes to turntablism, I really know what I'm talking about. And then Rob Swift came in, Sinister, um, everybody else that was that's in the X Men came in, and you know, it became what it became.
0: Did you like Or your, the executioners. Ex, yeah. Did you like your voice uh, when you were growing up? I didn't even know what I had. Yeah. I was Did just someone tell you that? Did someone tell you anything? I was just a rapper. I was rapping. I was good. But your like, cadence, you, just, it's distinctive. It's, it's, it's...
1: Listen, our story was, we were signed to Teddy Riley. Mm-hmm. Because... Because we knew Markel, which was his brother. And we were the rap dudes of Harlem. Like, we were the rap dudes of Harlem. So we we were signed to them. And I was a rapper. I, You know, I had a good voice rapping. Mm. But I didn't even know nothing about yelling until I was forced to yell. Mm. And I was forced. When were you forced to yell? I was forced to yell because... Um, my brother, young Sav shouts to Sav, the homie. Yeah. Sh- shouts to young Sav, he's doing well. He's got a So proud got, of him. Yeah, he's got a he's got a um, little seed. Yeah, he's got, a, he's got a son, my little nephew. And also, he's got this kid, Flip De Niro, yes.
0: with the Leave Me Alone. Yeah, yeah, that's a big hit. I and see that, Coward rocking out
1: to Calvin's rocking with and it. It's going to be, I, I believe by December, it's going to be like a really major national record. So, you know, my brother wanted to go. So shout to my brother, Young Sav. Um, he wants to go to school. And at this time, I was Fat Man Scoop. I was on the radio at Hot 97. But... We had no. My parents had money. They had a little bit of money, but they didn't have no fifty, sixty thousand a year to be thrown away in in Hampton University. So, um, you know, we were sitting around trying to figure out what we were gonna do. What you gonna do? And. I had this idea, I heard DJ Cool go do let me not, not I heard DJ, I was driving in one night listening to Flex, and I heard DJ Cool do the song, Is New York in the house right now? Hell yeah. And at the end of the song it said, DJ scissor hands, Crook Clan, DJ Wiz, Crook Clan." and I went to Flex and I said, who is DJ Wiz? and I mean, who is DJ Scissorhands and DJ Wiz? He said, it's not DJ Wiz, it's DJ Riz. Mm. And of course, I knew Riz from promoting records, Wildman, Steve, and all that stuff like that. And I went to Riz, and I was like, yo, bro. I want to do a I, I want to do a record now. I had done a record. I tried to do a let me clear my throat record beforehand, and it was the worst record in the history of records. Mm-hmm. This record was fucking terrible, man. Like <laughs> it was like I wish I had it. If I had the tape, I'd I probably put my head down. But it was bad. I went to Riz said come out to come out to to um Canarsie and see us, and I went out one day. The next day. And I was standing in front of a church in Canarsie, and it was me, Scissorhands, and Riz. And Scissorhands said, "Yell hands up!" And I was like, "Hands up!" I didn't know what the I didn't know what the fuck I had. I just yelled what the man said. And he said, "Oh shit, we got our own sampling machine. We gonna fucking do it now." And that's how Cricklin, that's how Fat Man Scoop and Crooklyn Clan were born.
0: Mm. Did you ever work a regular job?
1: Yes, I did. Mm. I worked at No. I worked at Mount Sinai Hospital. As a um, as as a um, I worked in the laundry department, mm. and what the laundry department was was it was like a room this big and a little wider and a little higher and they had shoots in the in the in the hospital where they throw down linen. Dirty, Pissy, shitty, from the operating room, if a kid shit on, on 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 a thing and the baby you know wherever, whatever linen changing beds, people pissing on beds, whatever whatever it was, it went down in there, and it was your job to pick it up and put it in bins and take it so they could take it to the laundry, very dangerous work, you know you'd be dodging needles and shit like that, Punk. and I did that, I did that, and one day I woke up, man, and I was just because i had I'd already had a record deal with Teddy Riley. Mm. You know, it went bad at the end because of stuff that happened with Teddy, and Teddy wasn't in a space to do it anymore, but I went from having a record deal to doing that shit. And I woke up one day, and I was like, man, I can't do this shit, man. I can't live my life like this, doing this shit for the next 20 years. Right? I said, you know, so I'm going to go call Puff, Mm because I knew Puff, because Puff wanted to sign me. Long story, we can get into that later. But Puff wanted to sign me and my group, and I went to Puff, and I was like, yo, Puff, man, I don't want to be in the music industry. I want to do, don't do want to do be a rapper. I want to do something. He said, you can do record promotion. I said, what's that? He said, you call the radio stations. You be dope at that. You be good. He said, yo, you want to come down and start on Monday? Because you know, Puff probably was like, I get tired of it, and I want to rap again. I was like, nah. I'm, I, I said, all right. I'll come down on Monday. During that weekend, I went to school with a guy named Joe Kirkland. And his name was Diamond D. mm mm-hmm. Mm. Diamond did a psychotic what? neurotics. Yeah. And I called Diamond and I was like, yo, bro, you on a label right now? He said, yeah, I'm on chemistry. Mm-hmm. I said, yo, bro, let me, can I come down here and be an intern doing something called record promotion? And Diamond was like, yo, man, go call my man. And I went down and I became an intern. And I bust my ass for like a year and a half. Doing what? Being a record, being a record promo intern, man. I opened up, I opened my first job was opening up twenty six thousand CDs that of of um, of um, Poison Posse, which was like Sweet Tea's group or something that had the wrong label on it, and I had to open it up with a fucking with a fucking artist. You know those artists, razor shits that yeah. have like a triangle and shit. Open up twenty six thousand of them, take the rapper off, and put the fucking new thing on there so that the CDs would have the right name on it. And the guy said, oh, you want to be an intern? Dal Lockhart was my mentor. So oh, you want to be an intern? I said, like, yeah, I'll do whatever you want me to do. Go deal with these 26,000. <laughs> so I was over there doing that, right? I did that for about seven days from 3 p.m. to 11 p.m. for about five six, seven days. I did them all. I said, so what you got next? He said, go sweep the floor. Swept the floor. He said, "Yo, man, what you got? What else you got me to do? Yo, man, I I I want you to to fucking uh lick the stamps. All right, I licked three hundred stamps. Okay, what else you What else you got? And I would go on doing that for a month. And one day he said, Okay. "Okay, he said, here's a list of radio stations. I want you to call them and make sure they got the record. Just make sure they got the record. It was like the the fucking C list or D list. It wasn't the real people. And I called them." And he said, well, now talk to him and make sure they got our records and make sure everything's cool. I talked to him. I was, you know, I got him. Then he said, yeah, man, all right, take my B list. And I took his B list. I did the same shit. I got friendly with them people. Then he was like, yo, man, here's like my A minus list. Go fuck with my A minus list. Then I went and I started killing the A minus list, right? He was like, okay. I'm gonna do a little bit of marketing over here. I see you fucking not playing because there were other interns, but I had a kid on the way, so I was focused, man. Like I, I was doing this to keep feed my family. He was like, "I'm gonna do some marketing. You take the A, the A. I'm not gonna give you the A plus. Get the A list. I'm gonna get the the top dudes. I'm gonna keep talking to the thirty top dudes. You do the rest." And I was talking to all these dudes, and I was, took that list, and I was doing my shit. So I was doing the A, B, and C list. I got a call from Albie Ragusa at Tommy Boy. And he said, would you be interested in working at Tommy Boy? I said, doing what? He said, being a record promo man. I said, I'm, a, I'm an intern, bro. He said, you're an intern? I know that. I know that. He said but every time I get on the phone and I ask the DJs the these DJs who the last three people you t- you talk to they keep men- they keep saying scoop from chemistry. So I was he was like yo man I had to come and get you. He said I know you were intern I I did my research you were intern but you need to work here at Tommy boy. And that and that's what got me working at Tommy boy.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I took Tommy Boy, I did my thing at Tommy Boy, I murdered him, and I took that to Hot
2: 97. Mm. And
1: when Hot 97, by that time my brother was getting ready to go to school, and we needed a way to we needed a way to get this money up. I had the skills from knowing how to be a crowd participation guy with Dougie Fresh. I had the contacts at radio from being a radio promoter and being on the radio. I just needed a record and crooklyn clan helped me get that record and and it was all to put my brother through college and he went on and did his thing and he made he made me doing that work he made me taking those risks worthwhile and 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 because i did that for him now i got a record that's lasting 22 years
0: Now, 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 did you know that was going to be a hit when when you put that out, bro? Did the guy that know, did the guy that do the theme,
1: the Rocky, know it was going to be a hit? You never know when you do a record. You never, you think you can think that it's hot, but you never really know what you have. Like, do you think the dude that made din, 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 he probably was in the studio, like Oh shit's hot, but he didn't know that that shit was going to be the motivational fucking sure, sure. anthem sure i was sitting i was sitting on on the floor of dj riz house writing be faithful I was writing. You got a hundred dollar bill. Get your hand. I didn't know, man. I thought it was hot. Mm. I liked it.
0: Fifty dollar bill. Yeah, you got twenty dollar bill. 10. You never went down to I five never or went to, down to
1: five. I never went to five, and that's when my man Corey the, the, fucking Fernandez, the, 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 said. the comedian, yeah, dude. he was like, "Yo, he never went to five, yo, bro. Five is we stopping at ten, bro. You five is not happening right now." But and I was writing all that stuff because I had all these ideas what I wanted to do, and I said, "Let me throw it all into one record." Did I know it was going to be a fire? Nah. Did I know it was good? Yeah. Mm, mm. Did I think it was going to be received well? Yeah. Did I know it was going to be this anthem that it is now that gets played everywhere across the world, every night in every club? Listen, there may be... There are records that get played that are classics, but that record's going to get played almost every night in the club. It's going to be one of two one of three records that I've done. It'll either be that or it'll be it takes two or something, but it's going to be one of them. It's going to be Be Faithful is going to usually get played at least once a night.
0: I mean, it's a smash hit. It's a smash hit. Well, let me ask you, what, what what do you think is behind the art of hyping up a crowd?
1: Getting everybody on the same page, mm. basically.
0: And and but where did you learn that from, you know? I,
1: fresh. Mm. Everything I learned was from Dougie Fresh, Chilwell, and Barry B. Um, you got to remember, I was a, I was kind of like in the apprenticeship program. Sure, sure. We didn't know it was an apprenticeship program, sure. but Will would Chilwell would allow us to come to his house. He would allow us to go to shows. Remember, we in high school, we 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 like freshmen in high school going to shows and on the weekend and and that were that were we were able to go to in you know in our area. Like we would go to that stuff and watch Doug. I would watch Doug. I would watch him. I would watch how they practice. I would watch all the stuff they do, and that's how I learned to do everything. I didn't. It's everything is God's plan because I didn't know that. Learning that was going to be combined with being a record promo guy, which was going to be combined with being on the radio, which was going to equal Fat Man Scoop. I didn't know that. That was God's plan.
0: Who? I mean, there's a, the stepping stones are crazy. You know, um, I heard there's a, you, you, you've you gone on before Jay-Z. Mm-hmm. Okay. Facts. What, 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 what does that even mean? For people listening who may not know, break down that Jay-Z story.
1: Oh. Jay Jay tell that every he tells that he tell that every time he sees me, he tell he, he see he tells me that. He tells Mike Kaiser that. Um Jay was Jay was um Jay always tell me, you could get on, you could come perform on my shows, but you gotta perform before the crowd comes in. Mm. He's like, you ain't coming to my shows killing it. One time we were at Hot Night Jamaica, and and That was the time that Jay-Z had Ain't No Nigger. Mm -hmm. It was Jay-Z, Mob, um, Noriega, and myself. And I think I went on like second. No, I went on like third, because at that time... Be Faithful wasn't even out. Okay, It was Hands Up that was out. Mm-hmm. Hands Up. They get your hands up. What? Hands Up. Black people. Where y'all at? Make Some on. That record was out. And DMX. Oh my wild motherfuckers. Where you at? Where you at? Where you? it? Tear the club up. That record. Those records were out. That was before Be Faithful. And I fucking was, you know, I learned from Dougie Fresh so I know how to fucking destroy the crowd. So I fucking kill it, Right. And I walked. Past, I had taken my shirt off. The crowd's going crazy. I walked past Jay, and Jay said, "I walked past him with my shirt off." And I looked at him like, "Now let's see what you do." Mm-hmm. And he looked at me. He was like, "That dude ain't never getting on on the show after after before <laughs> after me nothing." But you know that, that I I I encountered those same problems that Dougie Fresh encountered sure. when Dougie Fresh was at the pinnacle of his career, he couldn't do the Fresh Fest. He couldn't do Budweiser Fest because he was going on those places and he was murdering everybody. Mm. Um but but that was just a funny story that Jay yeah Jay will always say that he look he said you walk past me and you looked at me like, you know something? Let's see what you got, fam. Mm. And and every time every time I see Jay Z, he always tell me that story.
0: Mm. You mentioned Puff before now, you knew him early on. Mm-hmm. How did you even get to know Puff?
1: Well, what happened was I was signed to Teddy Riley. Yes. And again, my mentor, DJ Chilwell, it was myself, Steve D., and Sean C., and now we signed to Teddy Riley, and now we're out of a deal. We don't have a deal. We no longer have a deal, and we're free agents. We got let out the deal. Gene Griffin let us out the deal, whatever. Now we're trying to find somewhere to go. So Puff... Chill Will knows Puff. Chill Will takes us to Puff. Puff here, our demo. Puff is like, yo, I love this. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to rhyme. He said, I want you to keep rhyming hard, right? And then we're going to put you in a suit and tie, and then we're going to make you for the ladies, so do all the do all the rough street rhyming first, then we're gonna put you in a suit and tie and we're gonna make you for, for the ladies because you're a big you're a big husky, you mm. know, dude like that. We're gonna make you sexy. Mm. That that was a notorious B. I. G. Mm. This was like maybe I don't know two years before them the notorious B.I.G. so you're saying his
0: plan that he had with he had you never worked out
1: well I didn't I I, I didn't I had to change your heart of I had to change your heart on rhyming hard mm. because I was smart enough to know in my mind that although I was of the street I wasn't the street so I was smart enough to know that I was of the streets but I wasn't the streets. So I knew that if I talked about crime and, you know, listen, everybody had been stuck up, had a gun in their face, fought people, but that wasn't my life. I was, you know, I was legit making music. Like, when 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 the beef would jump off, they'd be like, yo, y'all are the music dudes. Y'all going to be something. Get out of here. Like, all the gangsters said, yo, you going to be something. Get out of here. Mm. So I knew that I could not play that i couldn't put that facade up because i knew a couple of different things number one i wasn't really about that life so i knew that i was gonna have to get dudes in my neighborhood who were the real goons to hold me down that eventually becomes extortion because they're like yo man let me eat let me eat you know you're gonna let them eat but then they're gonna be like i want to eat more and then eating more becomes extortion and then you're in a situation where you're going to have to become a, a, a thug or a killer. I am not a killer. I am not a dude who's a gangster. I will only get gangster if you put something, if you put something between me and my family. Then it's survival of the fittest. Then I'm going to do whatever I got to do for my family. I don't care. Whatever the case is going to be, it's going to be. But just as a general, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm not trying to cause no trouble. So I understood if I do this. I'm gonna I'm gonna pay the price for it because the reason that a lot of these kids get into beefs when they go to Cleveland or they go to they go to Houston or they go wherever they go they get into beefs because you rhyme hard so you have to you rhyme about being tough that means that people are gonna they're gonna check you on that because they really want to see if you really about that life. As sure. Soon as I walk outside in the street right now, if anybody see me, the first thing they're gonna do is go Fat Man Scoop, Crook McClan, and they're gonna start dancing. So, because my name is synonymous with dancing, so they gonna dance. If my name was synonymous with being a gangster, they would be checking. Real gangsters would be checking me to see if I, if my gangster is real. Sure, sure. So I understood. Whoa, I can't do that. I'm not about that life. And I know if I do this, this is what's gonna be the result. So, um, I I stepped away from it and I started making music that was more sound. That was sounding more like De La Soul because mm. that's where my my Heart was, and I brought that music back to Puff, and Puff was like, "Yo, man, I don't want to sign this shit, man. Fuck mm-hmm. this. I'm not doing this." And then, and but we meet, but now I'm on the radio, so I already have a relationship with Puff. So I'm I'm a guy on radio that Puff has a relationship with. So you know he, you know he, we always remain friends because of that, mm-hmm. and that and that's how I had the connection with with Puff. You
0: still uh, friends with him today.
1: I don't I, like I haven't seen Puff in, in a while because Puff is. Moving all around, and I'm moving. The majority of my stuff is overseas. But yep. if I see Puff today, if Puff walk in here, he gonna hug me like we haven't seen each other in two years or whatever. It's gonna always be good because he knows what it is. And if you ask Puff what kind of rapper I was when I was doing the hard stuff, he'll tell you. He said it on the radio. You remember radio some of those s- bars? You still remember some of those bars? I don't remember. I don't remember. I I I, I don't want to get into it here. <laughs> Uh, but I'm but, but I will cool. say this, on the low I have written people's rhymes mm. like recently, mm. like I, I like I could still I I can rap it and I can write it, but I can't deliver it with with swag like I be in the Lambo, uh, gas low, yeah. in the, my bad got a hundred rhymes, got a hundred racks with my bad show. Like I, what did I what did I do in the Lambeau, gas low, got a hundred them. Hold on what did I hold on? Let me get it Gas okay. In the Lambeau. Cheer. Gas Low, Okay. It was I can't I can't I can't remember it. But I have written stuff for people that people have used. It just it, I, I just didn't put my name on it.
0: Mm. You know, you know what? Let's take a quick break. Uh we're sitting here with the one and only Fat Man Scoop. Yes. Crooklyn clan. Hundred percent. From Harlem. From Harlem. A TV guy TV guy Doing 120 plus shows a year Yup We're gonna we, go over that we, We're, yeah, we can get we're gonna that. go over that Internets don't go nowhere We'll be right back Cheer
1: Ladies and fucking gentlemen I goes by the name of the legendary The extraordinary And the very 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 necessary Derek D. Angeletti And my man Premium Pete And I'm on the Premium Pete show Check me out Check us out Internets We live baby Oh In the Lambo Gas low you can see the host from my last show to my glass door. Got 100 racks I I can't remember, but I I've, I've written a couple of I've written a couple of records for people. And and I, you know something? I still love to do it. So, once I get to a certain point, I may just I may just write creatively for other people.
0: Yeah, I mean, I would to, I just would love my to shit see off that. like I that. I mean, you're diverse to me, you're a diversified chameleon. Thank you so, you know somebody blessing. that could uh, you know adapt to anything. Yes. You know another thing. Like you know people may hear a fat man scoop. People that know you or don't know you. People who know you about like oh what's he what you know the word the word we live by today is what's he up, been up to or what's he doing, not even knowing. And I said this before we went to break that you do about one hundred and twenty shows a year.
1: Anywhere between one hundred and twenty and one hundred fifty. Mm, mm. I've been working forty four, forty eight to forty nine weeks a year for the last twenty years overseas. Mm, mm. Tell us a, about that. Where it a blessing, man. You pick a place, man. Mm. Only place I have not gone is Afghanistan, Iraq, Iran, Israel, and Mexico. That's it. Mm. Every and I think Fiji. The rest of the world I've hit, man. I go to I go to Tokyo like people go to, to fucking Third Avenue. I, you know, I I, I go. I go to Rome, like people go to Richmond Virginia mm. I can, like I consider the bus the plane a bus when i when I'm thinking I'm like I got the six six thirty bus to London because it don't even damn
0: the miles must be quick
1: I have somewhere around ten point seven million miles. What the fuck yeah and some of that is in economy and some of it is in business, but to get those miles in economy to do ten million miles in economy, you have to do probably like 30 million physical miles.
0: Look, you come from Harlem, man. Um, You know, you grew up, uh, you know, a a, a person that may not have been in the street, but like you said, of the streets.
1: Of the streets, definitely.
0: Does that wow you when you look and you say to yourself that you traveled the world? As a young kid from Harlem.
1: Yo, man, it's every day. Because, like, for me, I give it all up to my mother, you know, when I'm when I'm, I say, look at what I'm doing. And I don't even put it on myself. I put it on her because she took two young kids from crack era Harlem in, the, in Reaganomics Harlem, crack era, Rich Porter, Poe, AZ era Harlem and 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 those kids never got arrested and they both went on to they went on to both be well in the music industry and do their stuff to travel the world anytime i think about it i never even really think about it from an angle of what i'm doing i think about it from an angle of how my mom raised me and prepared me to be the person I am today.
0: Mm. What would you say if anything is missing in music? Like what's what's missing in music nowadays? If if you felt you, you there know, was I don't
1: want to sound like Benjamin Franklin. Yeah. But I think that we're in a place where we in the first place in history where you don't even have, ta- have to have talent to actually do this. Like and I don't want I don't want to sound like Benjamin Franklin no, I because get it. the bottom line is I get in the club and I play everything. I play Fifi. I play Gummo. I play Billy. I play uh, Gucci Gang. I play Little Bae. I don't care what it is. As long as it's not Hitler, Bin Laden, or the devil, I'll play it, man. <laughs> I'll play it. I don't care. That, those are the three that I'm not doing. But it, it, poker, Frank Sinatra, whatever you want, if, if, it, if it's impacted with your crowd, I'll play it. But I just don't feel like there's a level of talent anymore like you know in the 80s in the 60s and 70s and 80s there were a and and people had to go through a gatekeeper to really make it now with the advent of the internet anybody could you don't you don't even have to go to an r you just go to the people sure. now that's beautiful And it's scary at the same time because now it takes some of those people who should have got a deal that they just go right to the people and now the people will decide whether you're good or not. But then at the same time, it takes some of the filter out. But I mean, for every good thing, it's a bad result. As far as I'm concerned, if the kids like it, I'll play it. That's where I'm at with it. I like like certain things. I like Gummo. I like Gummo. I like Billy. Mm. Like... I look at Takashi six nine differently now. In the beginning, I would be like, "Yo, man, Takashi six nine, this young kid," blah, blah, blah. and I said, "Wait up, hold on." I started. I was like, "Why is he hot?" And I had to sit down and really analyze it. It's punk rock. Mm. It's Onyx. Mm, mm. It's when he 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 has figured out how to put angst. And conflict and all of that into a video form and a record form and sell it. That's genius. Mm. He's When I saw Gunmo video, I felt the same way the first time I felt when I saw Onyx um, throw your guns in the air. Mm. And I said at that point, I said, wait a minute, this kid's got it. He's got it. He's 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 on to something. Like I did, at that point I said, "Okay. All right. I see what it is now. I got it. I got the whole thing." So, you know, little pump, all of these all these kids like, look. You got to look at it this way. When rap was coming up, our parents were like, "Turn off that garbage." Right? When now some of the older people are saying, "Turn off that garbage." It's not what we really want to hear. But it's their level of expression. Is it is it weird to me? At sometimes, yeah. But I'm not I'm not the youth. True. I'm not the guy who makes the decision on that. I just I go with what people say is hot. If it's hot, I rock with it. If it's not, I don't play it. You it's
0: know. We, you know. We spoke about you know a young kid from Harlem traveling the world, almost 11 million miles. You're yeah, talking man. about travel. I, everywhere. Listen, every fucking where. How the fuck did it feel to win a Grammy?
1: Okay, you know, the funny thing about it is it it was really, really, what's the word I'm looking for? Not bittersweet, anticlimactic. Mm, Mm-hmm. Because it wasn't like I was sitting in the audience and it was like and the winner is Missy Elliott featuring Fat Man Scoop and Sierra lose control. I was in my house. I was in my house. Mm. So it was more like Okay. That's cool. Fuck shit. Uh, um I didn't get up and I didn't get up and yell or nothing. I was just kinda sitting there like my eyes were like this, like Okay, um, and 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 I, I think I may have got a phone call from my brother, or something like, or somebody that would say, "Oh, you want a Grammy." Cool. If I would have, if I would have been there, I want to before I go. I want to have the opportunity to be up there just one more time in the audience, and they say, "And the winner is so and so, featuring Fat Man School." So I can actually get up and walk up there, and I think at that point it will really be something. It did hit me when they brought when i when I went to the when I went to the mailbox one day I went to the mailbox and it was a box okay well, fucking box you know shit could be like lotion or some shit I don't know did somebody order fucking lotion or I don't know is it fucking spermicide calf spray I don't know what the fuck it is and I opened it up and it, the Grammy was in it. Mm. And when I opened it, up, opened up, and it was a Grammy, it hit me. The First thing I did was I went, I got in the car because I was in Jersey. I got in the car and I took that Grammy right to my mother's house. Mm. I said, "Clara Freeman, there you go. You deal with that."
0: And what'd she say?
1: She started crying immediately.
0: Mm.
1: You know, you know, you know. Because the- I, I never went, I never graduated high. I mean, I never, I graduated high school, but I, I dropped out of co- college in the first semester. So that right there is my college diploma. Mm. So I was like, Ma, here's my awards. You go look at them. No matter what, you wake up in the morning. You look at that. You know your son did something. He did something with his life.
0: I'm sure they looked at you. I mean, I don't know, but I'm saying I'm sure they looked at you. You know, when you when everything you were doing, like music business, looks good, but it was a hustle for a long time. Oh, hell! I'm sure. Yes. I'm sure it was is. years that you you were like, "Fuck, man, I'm not even making good money here." Did they ever look like, "Yo, what are you doing with yourself?" Okay, now was that the the moment where they're like, "Okay, no, no, we get it."
1: Okay, here's what it was for me. It was I was when once I got out of Mount Sinai, mm. and with the to Tommy Boy, I was killing right out the gate. Like, I was making decent money. You know, when I became Fat Man Scoop, you know, I was, in, in when I was Fat Man Scoop at Hot 97, I was making $700 to go and be an appearance at a fucking car, at a car dealership and shit like that. When I became Fat Man Scoop, that's when the real money started kicking in. But, in the, my father my father, because when I was a young kid, I was I used to be in, the, in my house at three o'clock in the morning, making beats and writing rhymes at three o'clock in the morning while my brother was sleeping in the other bed. And my father, you'd be like, "Stop fucking banging on the, stop banging on the fucking," you know. He would be pissed. Sure. My mother never said one thing. said, so Leave him alone. My mother always said, "Leave him alone." It's like he's banging on the thing. I can't wake up when. I became when I was on the back of the Source magazine. That's when my that's when it started to hit my dad, and he was like, "Okay," because my mother never had she never had one one morsel of disbelief. She always knew what it was when that happened, and I hit the back of the Source, and he could pick up a magazine because somebody in his job said, "Have you seen this? Have you seen this, Junior?" He's like, "What?" He said, your son is on the back of this magazine mm. that's when it hit that that's when my father was like you know it really hit him. And then when he saw me on TV, so, you know, he starts seeing the videos and stuff like that. He would turn on the TV or he would turn on the radio and be like, oh, my gosh. So listen he would listen to Hot 97, you know. He would hear me on the radio talking. That's when it all hit him. My mother never had a minute of disbelief,
0: ever. Mm-hmm. You ever do anything for your voice, like drink tea or... I, do, what, do you... I,
1: what I do, man, is when I'm finished performing, I shut the fuck up. Mm. <laughs> I, shut the fuck up. I go and try to just be quiet as possible and I try I'm trying a little bit more to follow a diet from a guy named Dr. Sabi. Um, if you know anything about health, Doctor Sabi is the man. Like I'm trying to find, follow an alkaline diet because the alkaline takes out the mucus in your in your throat. The mucus is what makes like gives you a hard time and makes your voice sore. You have no mucus, you, your voice is not really messed up. It's clear. Or you know, I will drink room temperature water and stuff like that.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Got to keep it going, man. Got to keep it going. Now let me ask you, how does the even you know? TV come along like how did that even how did that even happen
1: well the TV thing came along because I always wanted to be different so at the time Eminem was making clothes and Jay was making clothes with Rockaware and stuff like that and I didn't want to do that I was like what can I do this different and years ago I used to have a column in the source called Scoopology which was like a sex and relationship you know Um, You know, people used to ask me questions. I would answer it. And I thought about opening it up. And one day, you know, I used to be in the bed with my ex-wife, and we would be talking about a bunch of shit, you know, just kicking it. And I always liked the, the dynamic between us. And one day I took her into the studio at Hot 97, and I just put down a bunch of different topics, and I let her talk about it. And I gave it to my manager at the time, and they, were, he was like, yo, we got to do something with this. And we created the Man and Wife podcast. Mm-hmm. And the Man and Wife podcast with my man Alex Lasky, who was the director, was a fucking amazing director. He's like, I trust him with my life when it comes to comedic genius. He, he was really, really good. We created about a hundred episodes, and my manager at the time, Charlie Stetler, was able to get us on MTV, and we had a very nice run on MTV. And this is actually black back when they didn't want black people on yeah. television. Yeah. We were on, we were the blackest thing on MTV. Like we were the blackest thing on the network. When like now it's about you know you can you can be on MTV. I mean be on VH1 or wherever those shows are, and do whatever you want. It wasn't like that back then. But that show, even though it was on for a year, a short time, the impact that it had was so amazing because people talk to me about that to this day. It was it was one of the most beautiful things I ever created because I created it out of love and and doing something with me and my wife and, and my ex wife and just just from a place of love and fun and I had Amazing time doing it. I don't know if you watched the show. Yeah, absolutely. But again, that was my father. Classic. With the with the high with the high, with, with the high so- black socks and the underwear and the tank top. On any Sunday, you could go outside. Anybody who knew my father, they'd be like, "Yo, man, you dressing like your father with the flip flops and the sun." He would be out on the middle of Fifth Avenue, just just doing it like that, man. On the, on any Sunday.
0: Mm-hmm. And w- and what happened? How did that just end? It just didn't... well,
1: it ended because it just just. Issues with, with business, man. Issues with business and certain people at the network not wanting to to deal with it and stuff. Because, bro, we were ahead of everything that's sure. going on right now. If I would have brought that show out right now, it, it, it would have been on like 10 seasons. Yeah. But um, it, it, it was that and then, you know, just just issues with that and, and you know, I... Once that happened, I became very sour to the business, and I didn't want to do it anymore. I just want to move to something else.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, you, you go by the name of Fat Man Scoop, so obviously it would make sense if you have an ice cream parlor. huh What's the truth to this? Is it true?
1: Eventually, I want, I want to have an ice cream and, um, and grilled cheese kind of place. Really? Because I love grilled cheese.
0: You, know what you, you ever heard of Mikey Likes It?
1: No, where's my uh, no uh, uptown?
0: He has one in Harlem. Yeah,
1: yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, I go to that one. And, I go to that one.
0: And he has one. Down, yo, you and him need to do a flavor. Yeah, together.
1: yeah, yeah. My, actually, that 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 location is right next to Denny Mo's, which is my barber shop. Mm. So I've gone in there many a time. It smells great in there. Have you ever Frederick been Frederick Douglass? Yeah, yeah, of it 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 it. it, it, it fucking
0: I'm I'm gonna link that for you man. Yeah. Both of you need Yeah. The, I have I yeah.
1: have I, I met him one time. We were standing out outside on 8th Avenue together just kicking it, but I never really got deep into it. At some point I do want it. Like I have certain things that I want to do now. I I need to get certain things together. I want one more run. One more real run in the record business. And then I just want to take it to other ventures. That's where my my goal and my focus is. Pointed towards right now, just making one more run of records and not records, you know, not records like, here we go now because that's over. Sure, you know, yelling on a record is over. Evolving, it's evolved. I I just want to do like the DJ Khaled thing, you know, just say Fat Man Scoop and then let the artists do their thing and you know write and like I said, write raps for dudes and you know stuff like that and be creative on
0: that side. You know when when I seen Khaled take off. I really, I mean, he's talented and he's been around and he put his work in and he grinded and I got a lot of love for Khaled, but I really, I was like, man, like, I feel like that could have also been you, you yeah, know, now, now I'm not saying that like, your journey has been amazing also. Well,
1: there's a, there's a couple of reasons why I'm not on the level with DJ Khaled and part of that has to be with, part of that deals with being honest with yourself and looking in the mirror. Um. I didn't take risks, okay? Um, I lived on the, oh, I'm Fat Man Scoop, I'm good, legacy. I had a level of fear, so I didn't do things because I was afraid of being judged. But how the fuck are you going to be in the music business and not be judged? And then I had a very painful divorce, which took about five years for me to get myself. I'm just hitting the corner now. Mm-hmm. I'm just hitting the corner in terms, of, in terms of being all right, man, I was totally devastated by the divorce that took place between me and my ex-wife. So with all of those things, that cocktail, I was messed up. Should I, should I be like Khaled? Of course. But the one thing about Khaled is that he wasn't afraid. He did work for it. I remember when Khaled was busting his ass. I remember when Khaled was getting with my brother working records. He was doing the same thing I was doing when I was starting at the beginning of Fat Man School. I did it with a, with a kid named Chris LaMonica. Me and Chris LaMonica were almost like my brother and Khaled when Khaled first started out. Had I taken the steps, and I'd done what I was supposed to do, I would clearly be where Khaled is. But that's not the way that the trajectory of my career went. Now, that doesn't mean that at some point I might not gain that back, or I may g- do it in a different area. Like, for example, I'm about to start my own podcast. Mm. Do it, do it, you know, talking about all kinds of stuff. And it's going to be crazy. It's going to be like my old radio show on Hot 97 called Ignorant Radio. I'm going to do it more like Ignorant Radio. Just talk and shit and having fun and opening up my other podcast which i have with rash kacheka um um, um, opp other people's podcasts i now have to go back and do what i was supposed to do six years ago take risks do stuff put it out there advertise and all that and i believe that i believe that if i do that in time i'll get to where i need to go but i do believe that Everybody gets to where they're supposed to be in the time that God allows you to do that. It wasn't my time.
0: Mm. You know, Fat Man Scoop, a show of Fat Man Scoop is energetic. It's yes. wow. I mean, I remember watching videos and it's like, I mean, the fucking energy is on fucking 20, not 10. Right. Now, you go through a divorce. I also went through one, too. I left left a bitter taste in my mouth for many years. Mm-hmm. How, how, how do you not show the public... How did you get through that shit? Here's the real shit, okay?
1: I'm going through the divorce. Well, not even divorce, separation. Sure. Okay? I'm walking on the stairs. I'm walking through the... You know how you walk through the back of the venue? You're doing like the Frank Sinatra walk where you're walking through the back of the shit, right? I'm walking, I'm walking with my head up, I'm looking like a fucking king, I'm doing my shit, I get on stage and like, give it up for Fat Man School, 5,000 people out there, 10,000 people out there, whether it's a club with 300 people, 700 people, 900 people, 2,000, big numbers, one time 100,000 people, Fat Man School, boo, give it up, I go out there and do my shit, right? You know, at the end of the show, make some noise, fabulous. Fucking crowd's roaring. I'm walking back down the the thing like I'm the fucking man. I get in the car, right? I go to the car. I get out the car. I walk into the hotel lobby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, man, love. Everybody give me high fives and fucking, you're like, all right, we see you in the morning, bro. I go in my room. I'm in a fucking fetal position. Mm. Because one thing that entertainers have to do is they have to turn it on when they don't want to turn it on. And listen, I would be on stage damn near ready to cry over the shit that was going on with, with me and my ex-wife. But for me, and I know this might sound crazy, the stage for me was the thing that got me through it. Because that's where I felt them. I didn't. I didn't have any more problems. Like for that thirty, forty-five minutes, I had no problems. I wasn't really a hundred percent focused on what was going on, why it happened, what what happened. I always just had fun and enjoyed myself and enjoyed the energy of the crowd. When I got off the stage, I was fucked up. But when I was on that stage, I was always great, man. Because that's where, I I have the most energy if you've ever been a performer on stage the best if you've never been a performer on stage this is the best way that i can explain it to someone it's the closest to the holy ghost and god that you can get the feeling that you get when you on stage is like what black people call catching the holy ghost it's the closest that you can get to god without going to heaven in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And I would just experience that euphoria of being on there. But when I got off that stage and went in that room by myself and start thinking about my ex wife and what happened and why it happened and what went on and whose fault it was and all that, I would be upside down because I really loved the woman. Mm. It, and our 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 divorce had nothing to do with cheating infidelity. I never touched a woman for thirteen years while I was with her. It had to do with other issues. But when you love someone so deeply, man, divorce is a motherfucker.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: I wouldn't wish divorce on Bin Laden, man. <laughs> I, I wouldn't wish I, I wouldn't wish that shit on Bin Laden.
0: Yo, you, you, uh, listen, I I speak about it all the time, man. Uh, I've been through it, man. It's, it's tough. It, it's 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 it left a bitter taste in my mouth yeah. for many years mm-hmm. definitely you know um and you're right i, I used to tell people i don't wish it you, you know because this is a tough struggle to get through listen first man, of all you gotta start all over again you gotta
1: start all over again you thinking about them while you starting over mm-hmm. you're doing all that so for me where i'm at right now i'm not going through another i, I went through two marriages i'm a two-time loser i'm good at, i'm good <laughs> with this man i'm good with this i'm going to end the rest of my life off the way I am, I may meet a woman. I may meet you, and listen, I love you, girl. And I'm gonna take you to Hawaii. We are gonna get three hundred people. I'm gonna stand in the in, in the sand with no shoes on, cause I don't I don't like my bare feet. I'm not about bare feet. I'm I'm from Harlem. We don't do the bare feet. Yeah. Um. I'm gonna stand on the, the the black sand of Hawaii with no shoes on for you to show you how much I love you, but no paperwork. We not doing the paperwork. I'm not doing the paperwork with marriage. I'm good with that. Y'all do that. I'm not about that life
0: I think some I think people you know get married uh, just to get married. I mean divorce rate is like sixty four percent right now you know people people are getting but you but you know why though right well but com- well, people don't communicate right uh, it's not even that man. I feel like people don't take the time to get to know each other
1: it, well you, that's very deep because I, I have a a theory about that i'm gonna i'm gonna break down the two things that I was thinking about number one, people talk fuck first and talk later. So then you wake up in the bed with a chick who has one leg, three eyes, and fucking multiple sclerosis and diabetes, and you say, what the fuck happened? Because you didn't talk to her. You didn't take no time to learn this person. You know, for me, I'm not going to lay in the bed with no woman unless I know her for at least three months. Because I want to talk to you. I want to know something about you. I want to know where you stand, what you stand for, what kind of person you are, where where you coming from. Uh, Listen, if I'm gonna get if I'm gonna get your body, I'm gonna get it anyway. It don't have to be today. Most people wanna do what the minimum of what it takes to get that woman in the bed. That's all they wanna do. They wanna talk to her, they wanna FaceTime her. They want to call her incessantly. And okay, now it's two weeks. Let's get, let's go to the bed. They want to go to movies and a dinner, some whatever the minimum is to get you in the bed. They want to do that. But when you get in the bed, you don't know nothing about this woman. So when you find out that she's a fucking maniac and she's at your door with a fucking with a fucking kitchen knife at three o'clock in the morning <laughs> stalking you, you don't know why it happened because you didn't talk. You didn't talk to her. You don't know nothing about her. Mm. Right. So my thing is that I want to get to know you. It takes time to get, you to know, you Number two is this right here is the worst. This is the reason for 64 percent of divorces, the phone, the phone. This is the worst thing that has happened to a man in 65 years, man, the phone. Listen, I, because of what I used to do with man and white, people still hit me for relationship device, re- relationship advice on the Internet, on the DMs. Every time somebody gets jammed up, it's always around two or three different things. It's around Instagram, it's around direct message on Facebook or, or 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 Instagram, and it's always something that you did. Hooking up with a girl. A lot of that comes from Instagram. A lot of that comes from Facebook. Back in the days before the internet, if you if she was the baddest chick in the neighborhood, we knew it, right? Mm-hmm. The baddest, the best guy in the neighborhood had the baddest chick. Then you met whoever you met, and you didn't know any chick. You, you didn't know any other beautiful women. Instagram, you could see a bad chick from Oklahoma, uh, Toronto, Tokyo, Malaysia, uh, uh, Istanbul, wherever. F- fucking New Jersey, whatever. It's too much. It's too much attention that is going away from people, people's relationships. And when people can see too much. You don't want it, Instagram is a killer to men because men are visual, so when you see big asses and big titties and big legs or whatever you like if you like thin women and you see a woman that's thin you, you you that's what you're fixated on, so when you go home, you're actually not even in a in a, in a focused place with your wife because you're looking at other shit mm. then God forbid you start liking some shit, okay. Every Fella, if you're a man out here, please listen to what I'm saying to you because it's very important. Instagram is somewhat the devil, okay? I'm going to explain this to you because it's going to get you fucked up and you're not even going to know what's happening. Listen, if you're out there and you're a man, just know this. If your girlfriend, significant other, woman that you think that's thinking about giving you fucking you anything follows you on Instagram, they can see the exact shit you're doing. So you think that nobody's paying attention when you are liking big asses and big legs and pe- <laughs> women bent over, but they all they do is go on the following section and they look at the shit that you're liking. Please know that this is happening because it happened to me. I had to be cleaned up. There a, a, a young lady came to me and said, look, I, I, I see everything you like. So now on my Instagram, even though I'm not doing nothing, everything on there, the way that I like pictures on Instagram, if Jesus wouldn't like it, I don't like it.
0: Yeah, no, no, listen. This way I can be clean. The, the, that's what it is. You know, you were on Celebrity Big Brother. Yes, I was. How, how was like that? We're uh, talking having... about
1: all kinds of wild
0: shit. Yeah, but how was that having a camera? Like, Isn't that all day long? It's all day long. It's 24 hours a day. How, um, how was that? Like, how was that? I learned something very important in there. Huh.
1: I learned a couple of different things. I learned how to deal with people in a close space. So if you ask me, Before Celebrity Big Brother to share a room with somebody, I could have never done that. And then when I got out of Celebrity Big Brother, I was with my manager at the time, and we had to share rooms and stuff. I was able to do it because I was comfortable with living in a space close with another person that I really didn't know like that. The one thing that I learned about it is you are who you are. Mm. You can only fake it for but so long. That's That's why I believe in... Talking to a woman two three months to figure them out because you can't you can't fake it. So if you are a chicken head or or, or you're loose, you can fake it for a couple a little while, but then eventually it's going to come out. <laughs> It'll be quick, but walk you're going to see it. Um, when you're on a show like that, you see people how they really are because you can act for a certain amount of time, but eventually that shit is coming out. The real you is coming out. Um, I also learned, I learned as they learned me, cause they, on that kind of show, they learned everything about you, how you move, how you, so they knew how to eliminate me from the show because they knew what I would go for and what I wouldn't go for. But at the same time, I paid attention to how they would do stuff. So if I didn't want to do ce- certain things, I would say it on the mic, but I would say it through conversation. Like, yo, my arm is fucking hurting. It feels like I got a fucking, a uh, fucking something in my spine so they'd be like today you don't have to do this so just like they were learning me i was learning them but the the thing is that you can't hide and living with people like that you get to see the best and worst of people and what celebrity big brother does is they put you in all kinds of wild situations so there's a bathroom so they don't put a lock on the bathroom so that makes it so that if you're taking a shit, somebody could actually walk in, so we had to start making little I started making little things like listen if the blue the blue thing is on the thing, you know somebody's taking a shit, like don't go in there what whatever once you now you deal with people not having no internet, no phone, no nothing, people start getting stressed, they do wild shit, and you see everything that you want need to see about people on that show
0: mm. Mm. but it was a great experience listen
1: I still talk to Jenna Jameson I really? talk to Farrah Abraham from time to time I talk to um, uh, uh, Daniel Daniel Baldwin uh, Daniel Baldwin who's um, Alec Baldwin's yeah. brother yeah. Um, I talk to Austin Armacost who was on the show with me James Hill talk to all those people I talked to like five or six people still still people who are friends with me to this day
0: you know um, as we wind this episode down I do want to say one thing I really value about you and something that I really take a uh, Very uh, strongly to Is parenting And uh, I always You know uh, Have this uh, This style That I live by That I've been pushing For a long time To people it's called presence over presence, meaning mm-hmm. being there, you know, you, you, your presence in your kid's life will be uh, the biggest gift you ever give them. 100%. Um, you know, even like us talking about getting this done, you know, we're working around something for your daughter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love that. I love, I love. you know, I, I love that, you know, look, you got to make money. You got to live your life. You got to be Fat Man Scoop. You got to be all these things, but... Most importantly, and more importantly, you have to be a father. Hundred percent, and and I love how powerful you were with that man. And I heard a lot of things from other people that you change your schedule around for a lot of things. Um, and I, and to be yeah.
1: honest with you, P, I still don't get it right. Yeah, and 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 there's no manual, I, I, there's I, no booklet. I, I, I'll be honest with you, because of there's no way that you can do 120 dates a year, and be at home. Yeah, so. There is a major part, major parts of my kid's life that I wasn't there for, but I was doing it in the name of taking care of them sure. because that's how I knew what I needed to do. Everybody looks at it, at going to clubs and stuff like, oh, you're partying. No, I don't drink. I don't smoke. I don't eat red meat. I don't do that. I don't do. when I go to the club, I do what I do and I leave. I don't even fucking hang around because the more you hang around, there's more of a propensity for something to happen. This is a job to me. Like I go and turn up with the club and then I get the fuck out of there. But the thing is that you miss a lot of people's lives. I'm trying as, as my kids get older in the beginning, I really missed a lot of time. So I'm just trying to make back the time that I lost and I'm trying to do the best I can. And I'm hoping that I become a better, I'm, 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 I'm doing doing the best I can as a father, but I'm hoping that as I... Because basically they're going to they're gonna have to drag me off the stage. I'm not leaving the stage. I could be 70, 60, 70 doing this shit. As long as I can walk, I'm going to be up there fucking mm. rocking. Mm. But as I go into other forms of my business, you know, other entities that I wanna work on and I have a little more time to be at home, I'm hoping that I'm gonna be a better grandfather and a better uncle to my, my nephew, my nephew than I was a father. If I you know this business is not a business you need to be in if you're gonna have kids. Okay. This is gonna this is gonna sound a little condescending, but I'm gonna say the truth. Kids are for people who have regular lives, 9 to 5, get off at 5.30, pick up your kids. You can take them on Saturdays to do stuff and do stuff. My days of work are people's days of leisure. Mm. So if I knew that I was going to be Fat Man Scoop, truly was going to be this guy, at 21 I'd have got a vasectomy. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't have got married because it's almost the Oprah thing. Oprah was smart enough to know what she was going to do. And she didn't bring any kids in to complicate that. I love my children dearly. I'm praying that they're going to be the savior of me. But I also know that I didn't do everything that I should have done because I was on the road. I put I put people in place to do it, but I didn't do it myself. As my daughter is becoming older, I am now focusing more on trying to make sure that I'm there for her and do what I have to do. And I'm praying that my kids look back at the entire situation when they get 24 and 25, because you never know, you're never able to do anything until you get a little older and say, "Well, fucking fuck, my dad did this, this, and this, so we could live in this house, have this car, have this shit, have this, this. Go here and do this. And if I can get to that point where they do that, then I'll be happy."
0: Yeah, I tell you, man, it's a uh, it's it, the journey is special, you know, and, and and the moments and memories that you make will last forever. And you can only try to always be better, man. You can only try to be better. And it, for, for me, being a be my
1: goals are being a better artist, being more active. Cause I make I make a million records a year, but I don't make my own records. Sure, sure. I'm on every fucking remix you could think of. Sure, I'm on every feature, but I don't have my own records. Making my own records and also being a better. I'm a good dad, but I want to be really, really good. And you know that's going to take that's going to take time and I'm hoping that in my second phase of fatherhood which is going to eventually be grandfather which kids do I don't want no kids now I don't want no kids in my house now <laughs> I don't want I don't need them I'm good like I don't need no kids but when I'm a grandfather I hope to be better
0: mm-hmm. and I,
1: and I hope to be a, a better uncle to my sons b- to my to my brother's son.
0: And you will be. And you will be. Hopefully. Yeah. Are are
1: you doing shows with Sean Paul too? I'm getting ready to do a show with Sean Paul on Saturday. Mm. Doing a show with Sean Paul on Saturday. Um we're doing I think
0: You have your own set or are you doing like yeah, hype man stuff? My, I'm
1: doing I'm mm. doing my own set. I've done I got a record with Sean Paul Come coming on. out in probably in November. Um which is gonna shock a lot of people. I'm not gonna even say what it is. I just wanna I want people to check stay it tuned see. for it. because it. it, it's 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 not what you think Fat Man Scoop's gonna do? So um, I want people to look out for that, and um, just just trying to improve, man. Just trying to improve and and be better, and, and if I can do that, man, I, I think I've done my job.
0: You know, you, you, Lastly, you travel a lot of international. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the difference uh, from the states to you know international? There's
1: many differences, man. The people, their level of respect for hip hop, is fucking. 30 times different because they never get to see anybody. You know, listen, man, we can go downstairs right now and they're, they're shit, I bumped into Jay-Z on the street. I bumped into Callum on the street. I'm bumping fucking many people on the street in New York. That doesn't happen in fucking Tokyo.
2: Mm.
1: Doesn't happen. Like, doesn't happen in, even in London, it happens a little bit. But after you get outside of New York and London, does, is that really happening?
2: Yeah.
1: New York, London, and L.A., is that really happening in the rest of the world? No. Mm. You're not bumping into somebody in Frankfurt, Germany. So their level of hip-hop and their level of knowledge is a little higher. The, um, uh, the violence, the violence is very, very low. In 20 years of going overseas, I've had maybe two altercations. Mm. Um, the people are less aggressive. Um, they want to have fun more.
0: Um, and they're not, I think the biggest thing, too, in my opinion, is that they're not, you know, in, in New York and, and how we grew up, people were worried about dick riding. Right. They're not worried about that shit. No, they're not they worried wanna, about they dick riding. They, they want to show you love. They
1: want to show you love. They want to show you the experience, everything. Um, listen, I don't care about dick riding. If you want to dick ride, dick ride. But the one thing that I will say I hate there's nothing worse than a male groupie
0: yeah <laughs> like come
1: on come there's no of there's
0: nothing i'm like don't push the girls out of the way don't to get a push selfie the, like
1: like that's a lot of that out there yeah. like you want to knock the girl over to be like what are you doing
0: bro? yeah yeah
1: or <laughs> you you know you see and this is not this is just from experience and years and stuff you may see dudes trying to talk to women and you busting and you you trying to talk to me about your demo no, this is not the time for that. Can't you see that this dude, you, and I'm not saying myself, I'm just using artists in general. You see the artist is trying to get in this woman's face. He's not thinking about your demo right now, and he's not thinking about you smoking weed with you. Leave him alone, let him do that, and if you see him without the woman, then get at him. Mm. Get at him then. There's got to be a protocol. Like you can always deal with female groupies because guys love that, but male groupie man, it's just it's just, it's just bad.
0: Man. Listen, you it's need like to, bad heroin. You man. need to come out with Fat Man Scoops a uh, you know rule book. You know, author anything, author shit. I'm eventually know? I'm gonna do something.
1: Okay, um, I like to see I, it. I, I, there was a there was I would I would do something like that. There was a Chris Lighty, God bless the dead, had Rest in peace. had rules on being a role manager. There should be rules of the club, like yo, bro. If you see the artist trying to get at a woman, do not knock everybody down and knock her over to say hello because nobody's going to feel you for that. Give him his time. Give him his time. If you're a DJ and you're opening up for a major DJ, don't play all the fucking hit records because when that man comes in there, he's listening to what you do. And then you come in and then the man, then the major DJ comes in and he don't talk to you. Why is he not talking to you? Because you just, you just disrespected him. Mm. There's a million rules we could come up. With. Mm. Listen, uh, Instagram Fat Man Scoop. Instagram at Fat Man Scoop. That's where I live pretty much. Twitter. Twitter. I don't even deal with it. But if you want to go on that wasteland at Fat Man Scoop, because <laughs> it's a wasteland, because I don't deal with it. My where where most of my activity is centered is Instagram first. And then Facebook. So you can hit me at Facebook.com, Fat Man Scoop. And, of course, um, Instagram. I'm going to start doing Instagram Lives again. I know some of you have watched my Instagram Lives and you love it because we talk a bunch of wild shit. I just found 25 cents in the, in the in couch. The, yeah, in keep the couch and I'm keeping that 25 cent as you see me put it in my pocket and not think
0: about you. you know, um, speaking about 25 cents, yes. um, what, what, what did you do with the first big check you ever got? Do you remember? Yeah, definitely. What what the fuck? What did you do?
1: My, you mean my first big check is Fat Man School? At
0: Fat Man School. Do you remember? Like, did you buy a fur coat?
1: Nah, I'm I've never been one for jewelry or or like stuff like that. I'm I've always been pretty like just I never looked at it like that. I always looked at my face as my jewelry and my voice as my jewelry. I never had to stick out like that. Um, what did I do? My first big check. Yeah, I know what I did with it. Wow. I paid. I paid my brothers. My brothers' university the first year. Really? Yeah. First major check I got. I paid for Hampton University the first two years. Nice. I paid. I paid. For-
0: Listen, you are a family guy, man. It's a lot to be proud of the journey has been so long. what, 20 years in the 20 game. Years, 20 years in the game. And, the record
1: made 20 years this year.
0: And 20 years in the game and it's still not the, not only the record. It's still just beginning your journey.
1: Well, I'm I'm listen, in Jesus name, I hope I get another 40, 30 years to do to 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 even give you the next thing because what I'm working on now is I wanna be a talk show host because mm. I I look I can see it. Yeah, I'm naturally inquisitive. I mean I if anybody knows me from my days on hot ninety seven, I just wanna take that and, and, and do that and I'm that's what I'm starting to do, kinda uh rationing out my time so I will have the time to do the Fat Man Scoop show, and then have Premium Pete on there, and where it says the Premium Pete show, you can take that out for a second and put Fat Man put, Scoop, and then you could t- you could take the logo and put it back. I'll be when in there when e- I leave.
0: Eating all the fucking uh, t- mozzarella and tomatoes, the chicken nuggets. Yes, we'll get the fucking vegan sure sliders.
1: We're gonna with that. We go on the Carmines. I'm gonna make sure that we eat all the Italian food <laughs> that we can
0: possibly. Eat. Uh, lastly, listen, uh, Scoop man. Um, one thing I really love, like I said, about the family and how much you care—you have a big heart. You may be a big guy, but you have a big heart. Hundred percent. And 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 you know, I'm I'm sure, and I do want to uh, send prayers and blessings. I know that you have lost your mom mm-hmm. and and pops, and yeah. and I'm sure they're looking down, proud Definitely. of you, man. Definitely. Proud of you, man. I,
1: I look at this like this, man. When, and I and I'm and I'm talking long range, man, because I don't like talking about death because I think that. A lot of time, you know when Tupac and Biggie talked about death, I think when you talk about it, you bring it upon yourself. so I'm gonna talk about life when my life is over, God willing, thirty, forty years from now, I want when you I want it to be like my mother. My mother helped so many people, man. she was integral in so many people's lives. She had like a thousand people at the at the wake, you know people coming in from everywhere. I want to be known for the shit that I did for people who I put on, who, who I gave wisdom to, who I helped when they were fucking down, who I said encouraging words to. I, listen, cause I can't leave with the money. Mm. I can't leave with the money, but the money's nice though. Mm. I want the house. I want all the shit again, you know, after the divorce, I want all that, but I do want, I want to be known for who I helped and who I made better. Mm. And listen, i I put people on in this business. God bless the dead. I put Megatron on. Mm. He was my protege before he got killed. Mm. He was on Hot ninety seven doing his own thing. I put other people on in music and television and all kinds of shit. So that's that's the way I want to be judged. man.
0: You, 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 last thing, somebody listen to this. Who you know is a host, is a MC, is an entrepreneur <laughs> in the making. But it's not fully there yet because it's a very small percentage. It's mm. struggling, but then it's good. Struggling, but it's good. Wants to give up, but then is talented. What's some uh, words you have for him?
1: You got to keep going. Mm. And guess what? Entrepreneur, host, MC, whoever the fuck you are, whatever the fuck you do. Let me tell you something, sir. I fight with it, and ma'am, I fight with it every single day. The life of an entrepreneur. Is fucking hard because every day you're fighting against the grain until you become the fucking Bill Gates. Then you, you know, then you got champagne problems, but you got to keep going. The main thing is to keep going and keep working and understand that consistency is key over and over and over and over and over and over, and over again is what's going to get you the results because mm. guess what? We didn't know who who the fuck Fetty Wap was, but Fetty Wap was out there in Patterson doing that shit for like seven, eight years mm-hmm. before he came. With I said, "Hey, what's up? Hello." And you know, you you work until it, it takes you fifteen years to be an overnight sure, success. Sure, sure. So you've got to. I, I would say consistency is key. I would say always be invested in education. You know, my mother used to say, "You're gonna learn for the rest of your life." Beat it, ma. Come on, don't talk to me like that. Don't don't tell me that to this day, I'm going to take classes next Monday, learning things about the internet that I need to know in order to take my game to the next level. You're going to always have to learn. So be committed to that process. And be be committed to the process of learning. Be, be consistent. 50 Cent told me something real one day when we were talking. 50 was like, yo, any man that can do something consistently can be a millionaire. Mm. If you can rap good and make good songs consistently millionaire the man who hits a ball consistently millionaire the man who puts a ball in a hoop consistently millionaire the man who knows how to run fucking i don't know facebook ads consistently at a high level millionaire mm. so if you can learn to do something consistently millionaire guess what it is not everybody think this shit is like instant coffee no, you got to put some work in. <clears throat> and sometimes that work's going to hurt. And sometimes that work's going to take a long time. And, so, and you want to have to deal with failures. You can't be in this business of trying to win and deal with failures. Hey, you got the LeBron James who just, and even LeBron James didn't come out of nowhere. Sure. They had to be fucking hours of hooping to do that shit. He had the natural talent, but, and guess what? To be as good as he is every day, I heard that man's ethic work ethic is fucking nothing less than insane. Like, I can't even stay on a diet six days, okay? <laughs> this guy is fucking... Like a beast. But then at the same time he's getting thirty million to do that. If somebody said you're going to diet for seventy days for thirty million, I you guarantee I'd look like fucking school, yeah. I'd look like fucking Tom Brokaw or Matt Lauer or some <laughs> shit. because I fucking lose the weight. But um oh, shit. It's just a constant it's just a constant process of having to be able to put it down. You are not gonna be a hit tomorrow. You're not gonna be a hit tomorrow. But are you gonna be able to survive those days and push until you're a hit? Listen, at
0: one point in time, you were in a fetal position, but you're here. I'm here, man. You're here, and it never gives up.
1: (coughs) I just turned the corner, too. Never gives up. I I just turned the corner. Like, last year is really when I hit the corner of being in an okay place about what happened with my divorce. and, And listen women that i was married to i ain't gonna lie i'm always gonna love them it just is what it is sure, so i love them I in a different it. way now because i'm not with them but they always gonna hold a special part in my life because i was with them and i had good times i can't fucking say your sure, fuck memories man, moments fuck those hoes, I fuck those. i'm not saying that man i like i fucking had great times with both of them you know so you are always gonna have that but now but now i'm at a place where i turn the corner and now i feel good And I can get up and keep my head above water, and now I'm ready for the next part of my life, man. Mm
0: -hmm. Fat Man Scoop, and Clan.
1: We've been talking for like 90 minutes.
0: Nah, it's all all good, man. Listen, uh, like I said, uh, your contributions to this shit, man, will forever be appreciated. Thank
1: you. I appreciate it, man. And, you know, I'm going to leave everybody on this. I have been blessed to do this. I. Did I did the songs that I did out of love for my younger brother and taking care of him. And because of that, God has blessed me with a record and records, because I got about six of them that are really, really major ones that I have been working, working off of for 20 years with no videos. Mm. I can say without putting my head down that if there's a Rap Hall of Fame, myself and Crooklyn Klan definitely need to be in there because every time that I hear somebody say, put your hands up, put your hands up, I know that the majority of that came from myself, DJ Riz, and DJ Cezanne.
0: Mm. Internets, Fat Man Scoop. Crooklyn Clan. Cheer. Internets, if you enjoyed that episode, I want you to email me at show at gmail.com. Again, that's email is show at gmail.com. Let me know what you thought. And listen, all my advertisers out there, all my big businesses, my small businesses, whoever, a friend, a store, you want to advertise on The Premium Peach Show, email me at thepremiumpeachshow at gmail.com, and let's get working, okay? Make sure you subscribe, rate, leave a comment on all streaming platforms and podcasts. Tell a friend to tell a friend. And we'll see you next episode. Cheer.